This is Straight Talk with D. Kelly. It is Tuesday, November 16th. I'd like to say that I bring a little common sense to the craziness. And right now, COVID cases are on the rise in about half the United States. In fact, uh, the Texas ban on mask mandates has been overruled because it interferes with the disabilities of children able to protect themselves by wearing these masks in school. This virus has been fueled by the unvaccinated and because of the colder temperatures pushing people indoors. Now we're starting to see a lot of states around the country go ahead and asking for anyone over 18 to go ahead and get your booster shot if you haven't gotten it yet. Here is Dr. Christopher Merrick. He is the medical ICU director of the UC Health Medical Hospital. Just this week, we did a walkthrough adding curtains between beds in order to add more beds, more ventilators. Talking about what they're having to do these days in order to handle the number of cases they're seeing. They follow what's called the crisis standard of care, which they would assess a patient to see how better or worse they are than the other patients in the hospital at the time. And then when they would... Uh, they would direct their attention to those in the most need of care, the highest need of care. And that's what they would do in this situation. That's what we're seeing uh, being done in many hospitals around the United States. In fact, only a third of eligible seniors have gotten the vaccination. We are right now estimating 107 million Americans are unvaccinated. The need for booster shots are needed because these shots have weakened over time. And eventually, you're going to need a booster to boost up your immunity and get you ready to face a wave of coronaviruses. We are now in our fifth major wave of coronavirus cases in the United States. And remember, this is not happening here. This is happening all over the world. The coronavirus comes back in waves, and we do see that protection does wane over time, but having vaccination, having that protection is the best way to protect yourself. In Texas, we are seeing a fight over mask mandates and whether companies have a right to require their employees to wear a mask. And the government, the state government, wants to stop companies from having mask mandates in the entire state of Texas. This is the state attorney general, Ken Paxton. The, the president doesn't have the authority to force companies. Obviously, we've gotten a stay in the Fifth Circuit to stop him from forcing companies to require their workers to get the, the vaccine or be fired. And what I'm saying to these companies is you don't have to listen to him because he's out there saying now you should do it anywhere, do it anyway, despite the fact that we have a, a stay from a, a higher court. Dealing with different types of requirements here, we've got state uh, government requirements. So it's clear that the governor has a different executive order for them. And we've been in all types of litigation with school districts and counties trying to stop them from forcing mandates in, in San Antonio uh, vaccines. And we've been successful. We've actually had no lawsuits against businesses. There's a lot more freedom with businesses to make their own decisions. But what I would say is that they, they should 
definitely consider their employees because we're in a situation right now with our economy where we can't afford to lose transportation employees and healthcare workers or law enforcement officers. And that's that's happening all over the country. And I think it's going to have a negative impact on our economy and our ability to, to help people. And even Austria has gone on to a lockdown for the unvaccinated, not for the vaccinated in the country, but because of the rise in cases. They have made it clear the unvaccinated will not have any freedom in Austria that is over in Europe right now. The January 6th Select Committee of Congress has issued subpoenas going out, and of course, we've seen resistance and the arrest of those who did not appear and didn't turn over documents. That's what the charge was, and uh, we are seeing Mark Meadows looking to see what is happening, uh, what's going to happen with him as well, and he's following Steve Bannon to this is Representative Adam Schiff. He is a member of the January 6th Select Committee in Congress. Uh, and indeed, even before the Justice Department acted, uh, it influenced other witnesses uh, who were not going to be Steve Bannon. Uh, and now that uh, witnesses see that if they don't cooperate, if they don't uh, fulfill their lawful duty when subpoenaed, uh, that they too may be prosecuted, uh, it will have a very strong focusing effect uh, on their decision making. So. It's very positive. I view this as an early test of whether our democracy was recovering. Uh, if our laws to mean anything, it has to be applied equally. Uh, and so I'm very glad the Justice Department has moved forward in this fashion. It's basically that the Republican Party at the top levels, that is Donald Trump uh, and those around him, seem to feel that uh, they're above the law and free to thwart it. And there's something admirable about thumbing your nose at uh, the institutions of our government. Uh, and look, Bannon uh, did what he did because for four years, uh, that's what worked. They could hold Republican Party conventions on the White House grounds. They could fire inspector generals. They could retaliate against whistleblowers. It was essentially a lawless presidency, and they were proud of it. Uh, and yes, that ought to concern every American. Uh, we need a reestablishment of the rule of law in this country, and I'm glad to see that that's, uh, that's happening. Chris Christie has his own explanation of events that took place on January 6th as he was watching everything unfold. So I watched it for a little while and I was really concerned. And in fact, I called Kellyanne Conway first. Um, and I said to her, have you spoken to him? And she said she had not. And she said, I think we both need to call him. And I said, absolutely. So I then called the president's secretary, Molly. Couldn't get through. I then called his body guy. Didn't pick up. I then called the president's cell phone um, and he didn't pick up. I was desperate to try to get in touch with him because I felt like what was happening was awful and was going to be a stain on his presidency. And I wanted him to be the guy to stand up and stop it. Um, but he didn't take the call. And so I said what I would have said to him privately on the air on ABC that day. And we congratulate President Biden on passing his infrastructure bill. It passed with bipartisan support. That means Republicans and Democrats were able to support the bill. Here is President Biden in celebrating his victory in passing the bill. I know you're tired of the bickering in Washington, frustrated by the negativity, and you just want us to use and focus on your needs, your concerns, and the conversations are taking place at your kitchen table. The bill I'm about to sign along is proof that despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans can 
come together and deliver results. We can do this. We can deliver real results for real people. Let's remember we can't come together most of all. Let's remember what we've got done for the American people when we do come together. I truly believe that 50 years from now, historians are going to look back at this moment and say, that's the moment America began to win the competition of the 21st century. So with confidence, optimism, with vision and faith in each other, let's believe in possibilities. Let's believe in one another. And let's believe in America. President Biden will be touring the United States talking about the infrastructure bill and what it's going to do for the United States and how it's going to help the economy. In a surprise move, Senator Rob Portman, a Republican, also spoke about the benefits of this infrastructure bill and what it will do for the United States. He also, uh, as a note, he ran the Office of Management and Budget under George W. Bush. In a time of surging inflation, these long-term investments are actually going to help. Inflation, of course, is caused when demand outstrips supply. And in this case, we're not funding stimulus spending that adds to the demand side but ports and freight rail and roads and bridges and other assets that will help on the supply side. That's why economists say this bill is counter-inflationary, which is so important right now, as American families are facing higher prices on everything from gas to groceries. Senator John Barrasso has his opinion of the face and the look and the future of the Republican Party. Well, let me just say, the Republican Party is incredibly united right now, and it's because of the policies of this administration. And I think the more that the Democrats and the press becomes obsessed with President Trump, I think the better it is for the Republican Party. President Trump brings lots of energy to the party. He's an enduring force. Elections are about the future, not the past. And that's what we saw in Virginia and all across the country. And the Republican policies and the Trump policies of a strong economy and American energy, not begging Vladimir Putin to produce more oil, which is what Joe Biden is doing. Those are policies that we're going to continue to run on in the future. Clearly, Barrasso has his own opinion of what the Republican Party looks like right now and what the trouble, and doesn't seem to see that there's any trouble, but that's not what other people see. Of course, a uh, whole book was written about it, Republican Rescue, by Chris Christie. But Chris Christie has his own idea of what the party should do. What this is all about is for Republicans to be a successful national party and a successful contrast and counterweight to the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And to do that, you know, elections have to be about tomorrow, not about yesterday. Voters don't want to hear about yesterday. They want to hear about what you're going to do that's different than the people who are in and what your vision is going to lead them to in terms of their own hopes and dreams and aspirations. And that's the message of the book. Um, and that's what I think we have to do as a party. And to do that, we got to be the party of truth. we got to confront the truth about what happened in 2020 and to be able to move on from it. Chris Christie is making the circuit. He is promoting his book, Republican Rescue. He says the Republicans are so tied up and looking backwards and 
trying to lie to the American people that the election was stolen. He's actually a Republican leader on the national scale that is actually speaking out, speaking what he believes to be true, telling people what he believes to be false. He's saying the Republican Party needs to become the party of truth. We need to accept what we cannot and we haven't been, and a lot of Republicans are trying to refuse to believe. He's got a lot of courage and he's speaking out. Nobody likes to lose, but on the other hand, when you deal yourself into this game, what you understand is you have to live with what the results of the hand are. Uh, and we lost in 2020. And it's not as if that comes as an enormous shock. I mean, we lost the House in 2018, and then we lost the Senate and the White House in 2020. The trend was moving in that direction for a whole variety of reasons. And at the end of the day, it's the first time that's happened to the Republican Party since Herbert Hoover between 1930 and 1932. And the point of my book is to say, after that, Democrats held the White House for 28 of the next 36 years. I don't believe our country can survive that kind of drought for our party. I don't think it's good for our country to have that kind of drought. So we need to get back to thinking about how do you win? Stop Republican on Republican violence and start taking on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris directly on the issues, on policy. And I think if we do that, we're going to win a lot of elections in 22 at the governor's level and uh, in Washington. And what exactly led up to the January 6th insurrection? Here's Chris Christie explaining that as well. Well, he said the election was stolen and it wasn't. And he stood in the East Room of the White House behind the seal of the president on election night told the American people that the election had been stolen when he had no evidence to prove it. I want to be clear about January 6th. I think those people who talk about the speech that day um, and say that was inciting a riot, to me that's not, they're missing the point. It's everything that was said beforehand that the election had been stolen that got people as angry as they got to go and, and, and go to the Capitol that day. Um, and so, and that is the responsibility of the person who was doing that, making those statements, and that was Donald Trump. I don't agree with a lot of things that Chris Christie said, but that I do. You blame it on Donald Trump for angering those people, bringing them to the Capitol, and pushing them toward the insurrection against our senators and congressmen that day. But if you have any opinions you'd like to share, you can send me a message at anchor.fm slash dkelly slash message. Or you can tweet me at dkelly22. That's D-E-K-E-L-L-Y-2-2. If you like what you heard today, you can subscribe at the bottom of the page. Thank you for listening.